If you will stand for the reading of God's word. Today we are in Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way that I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Trailview Church. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, so, guys, uh, my name is Trey Smith. I know many of y'all, but uh, I'm also, I serve often in the uh, kids' ministry uh, that are oddly quiet this morning. Um, I, hand, I, I have the great privilege of hanging out with the kindergartners through first graders, uh, which is one of the reasons I have less hair. Um, but it's a great joy of mine. Um, so this morning, uh, before we get started, uh, I want to, I mean, throw out a question that would normally be like kind of a, like a call and response thing, you know, it's an, you know, and whenever you come and you introduce yourself, it's like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, and fine, we're doing good. You know, all those things. And I want us to kind of just take a second and just pause, um, for a minute before we get into the scriptures, uh, because what we're going to be talking about today is our, um, is the way that we respond in times of difficulty and in times of trouble. And I want us just to take a minute to really reflect on the question, how are you? Like, not just on like a cursory level, like, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, how about you? But like, really, like, how are you today? How are you right now? What is the condition of your soul? I know that oftentimes... Um, I come in this building on Sundays and I am flustered, um, I'm stressed, uh, I have a, a, um, a food truck business and that we work on Sundays and I'm like running through logistics in my head and not exactly like here, you know, 100% present uh, and so and like not always like just ready to like receive something from the Lord or there's something or, you know, not, I'm, man, I'm not calling anybody out here, but maybe it's like just getting you and or your children here was a mighty miracle um, <laughs> that everybody got here like alive. Um, or that, 
there's just things that you are struggling with, that you're dealing with, and these things weigh heavy on us. And so we do this and we come here uh, and we are not necessarily expectant of anything, but this is what we do. And so I just want us to take a second and to pause and we're going to pray and we're just going to try to reset and to be open to what would God have to say to us out of his scriptures this morning. So let's do this. Let's pray together. God, I... God, I just want you, to, Lord, to, to help us to examine our hearts this morning, to slow down, uh, to quiet uh, the stresses, the anxieties that we cling so tightly to. And Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to turn these things over to you, to rest, to know that we are here with you, uh, that you are our refuge, that you are our strength. Um, God, I pray that you would move in our hearts in a way that, God, that, that we would have a clear understanding of your gospel. Lord, would you, uh, would you help us to let go of the things in our lives that we cling to, the sins that cling so tightly to us, God, and would you help us to just be open to your grace in our life? that is abundant in Jesus Christ. And so, God, I, 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 my prayer is this passage that we're going to go through, that, Lord, that you would expectantly move in our lives, that you would change us, you would help us to remember, you would help us to walk with you, and that this wouldn't just be a Sunday to get through, but there would be a day that you have renewed us, renewed us in our souls and you have made us a, a degree more like Jesus as we go out and face the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a great pleasure of mine to come in and bat clean up as we have been going through the book of Psalms. Um, I hope that it has been um, refreshing to you. Um, the book of Psalms to me is uh, both a, a great comfort, uh, and if I'm being honest with you, the Psalms also at times make me feel really uncomfortable. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I think that there's, I kind of have this, this tendency to um, think of them in like a really high fashion, like it's like really poetic, it's a song book, it's a hymn book, it's prayers and all of these things. But then whenever it actually comes down to it and I'm reading them, there's things that actually make me uncomfortable whenever I'm reading through the Psalms. You know, we tend to think of like Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd, you know, and like things that would be like knitted on like a doily and hung on the wall. And we have, but for every like Psalm 23 where there's this kind of beautiful poetic language, there's also at times great anguish that the psalm writers are trying to convey. Um, for every time that you feel that, that it's like a crowd to God and you answered, there is a psalmist saying that, God, how long are you going to be silent? And feeling just very far from him. Um, for every, like, created me uh, a pure heart, there is, God, slay all my enemies which isn't, I don't think, probably a prayer that you have prayed this morning. If so, you had a really tough morning, and I'm glad you're here. 
But what, what I find comfort in, in what makes me uncomfortable, is the fact that the Holy Spirit inspired these writers to share these depths of their heart in a way that isn't censored, in a way that isn't cleaned up, in a way that isn't kind of polished or whitewashed. But it's not that, that, that God is um, using, like that he inspired this in a way to say that that is the correct way for us to feel and act, but that it is a way that we will feel and act, and that God has a response for that ultimately in the gospel. And so that God takes our good and our bad and our ugly, and he redeems all of that. And so um, <laughs> what it, it made me think of, you know, sometimes there's like these little sm seemingly small moments that happen to you that have like this really big impact. Um, I came to faith in a very traditional Southern Baptist environment. Um, I was on staff as a youth pastor in similar environments, and this is no knock on my Baptist friends. We're good. But it wasn't a place that, at, whether it was the reality or not, it wasn't a place that I always felt safe in letting people know about struggles that I might be having, especially on a Sunday. Anytime that if you, were, if you came and you were greeted by somebody, you know, it's like, it, and it was one of, you know, always churches where, you, you know, you called each other like brother and sister a lot, you know. I don't know if anybody has any of that background, but it's like, hey, brother, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. How are you? You could literally have like a gunshot wound <laughs> right there and be like, how are you? I'm great. I'm just going to hold this for a minute. And there just wasn't the, and, and you know what, there may have been a reality that I didn't know where it was a safer place, but it wasn't how I felt. I didn't feel that I was necessarily able to be like, I'm wrecked, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm sinning, I'm like, I, I, I need help. But I had this, this seemingly small uh, experience um, now, gosh, like 10, 11 years ago, um, at uh, our former church that we were at that we absolutely love, uh, and we were setting up, it was a church plant very early on. Uh, in the process, we were setting up at a comedy club in downtown Fort Worth, setting up the kids' ministry in the bar. Yeah, um, that was that was really sanitary, I'm sure. And um, a buddy of mine, Joel, came up, and you know, and I still, you know, was very probably super Baptist in my ways. Hey, man, how are you doing? And he looked at me, and not with like a like a it didn't even necessarily match what he was saying, but he looked at me, he's like, man, I'm awful. Just got in a huge fight with my wife in the car like five minutes ago, and I don't even know what to do about that. And I'm like, like there's like this glitch in the matrix, <laughs> you know, like I don't know what to do because it's like, you mean you're fine, right? You know, like <laughs> let's, we're going to shake, we're going to get through this. Um, but that stuck with me because it really, it, it stopped me on my tracks and I'm like, oh yeah, we're not always fine. Things are tough. We live in a, in a sinful, in a broken world, and we're not always, we don't always have to be fine. And it was one of the things that I loved about our time in City Church. It was one of the things that I actually really love about Trailview is seeing that take place in a lot of people's lives who came from that kind of similar background that I did. And they're like, wait, it's okay for us to talk about the fact we struggle here? Like, is this a safe place? Like, for real? This isn't like a trick or something, right? And I'm thankful for that. And I see that in the Psalms. 
Because the reality is, is that life is hard. We have probably at times a lot more seasons of trouble than we have seasons of peace. And so we need to know what do we do during those times? What do we do during times of trouble? Um, Last week, uh, Brandon preached on Psalm 145. I absolutely loved what he had to say about that. It was this exalting psalm about how great and amazing God is. um, And we need that. We need that like daily. Um, And Brandon shared a story about... I'm just going to steal all your illustrations, Brandon. Um, Brandon shared a story about being a young man and going on a trip that he didn't necessarily want to go to, but he found himself in like the desert of like Southwest Texas and getting a chance to see the Milky Way open without lights around or anything and just being able to unencumbered see the majesty that is the night sky. That honestly, I've never seen that other than like in pictures and things like that. So I can't imagine what that was like and how that made an indelible impact on him throughout the rest of his life because he was able to see this unveiled majesty. And what we're talking about today is kind of the, the, the inverse of that. We have those moments where we get to see kind of the, the big glory of God at times. You know, I, I think about... You know, you, it's like going to go see the Grand Canyon or, you know, I'm a, I'm a Southeast Texas boy where it was like we like sea level. So like the first time I saw like a mountain that was over like 30 feet, you know, it was amazing to me. Or seeing snow or life events like the birth of your child, you know, or your wedding day or these things where it is really easy for us to revel in the glory of God. We're really in tune with that. But what we're talking about today is the inverse of that. What about the times when there are clouds blocking the stars? Um, What about the times when our marriages are tough? Um, What about um, the times when our our health is failing or those around us or just the stressors and the anxieties of life feel like they could fill the Grand Canyon and it loses some of that majesty. We have those moments to look back on, and obviously that doesn't diminish God's glory in it, but the times that we struggle, when things feel fragile, when we feel the weight of living in a broken world, not to mention all of these things, and, and, and most all of them that I mentioned, it's like not, it, these are things that I have dealt with, that I am dealing with. And so I know that you guys also deal with this as well. And, not to, like, and it's, it's even so strange to me that it's like we have all of these things that we could probably really tangibly list out. Oh, and then there's also like, you know, like a global pandemic on top of that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that's no big deal. We, 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 at this point, we just push that aside. <laughs> we don't have to deal with any latent stress of that. Oh my gosh. And so today is all about what is our response in these Times of trouble, which I almost feel strange to say, but what in this, at times, life of trouble, what is our response? And so that brings us to Psalm 143. And we're going to look at David's response in a time of trouble. And if you look at David's life, David's life was always a time of trouble. Uh, it, it seems that there was always, 
either someone who was trying to kill him or someone that he was after or some sort of civil war or something or even just great periods of sin and anguish in his life. Um, a person who was a great lover of God as well as a colossal screw-up, which I, will be on my tombstone <laughs> one day. Lover of God, colossal screw-up. God's grace in, in between that. And so we have David, and we don't know the, like the actual um, occasion here. This, I'm sure, could apply to many times. This is, a, I think, more of a response and a song of a life lived in trouble than probably a very specific occasion. So we're in Psalm 143, and so I will tell you the things that we're going to walk through for those of us who are in Christ and have walked with Him, they're not going to be new things. But my hope and my prayer for you is that they are fresh things, that we're, we're reminded, that we're refreshed, that we are re-evangelized in our life to be able to walk with God through these difficulties and to stop trying to handle it solely on our own. So the first thing that I want us to see is that when trouble comes... We expectantly go to the Father. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 143, a psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ears to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me. In your righteousness enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. Now, this, this probably doesn't seem like just an earth-shattering thing. Of course, where do we go in time of trouble? We're going to go to God. But the question that we kind of have to ask ourselves is, how often do we actually do that? How often do we actually turn to God in our times of trouble, or is it more like an afterthought? There's a, there's a quote uh, in The Problem of Pain uh, C.S. Lewis has that is, uh, we regard God as an airman regards his parachute. It's there for emergencies, but we hope we'll never have to use it. And that we kind of have him like break glass if necessary is whenever we'll turn to the Lord. When what we, our very first response should be that we turn to him in times of trouble. Now, let's think about this. This is David, and we have the... I don't know. I don't know if it, if it's, if it, it is the luxury or if it's the handicap of being able to see the entirety of David's life. But we have David who, in his day and age, people would have looked at him. He is the great king, the, the shepherd, warrior, poet, the one who is selected by God to be the king who ultimately will be a shadow of, and his lineage will bring all the way to Jesus being our eternal king. So he's, the, he's the, the very flawed shadow of that. But in reality, I mean, he comes with a lot of clout, right? I mean, he's King David. He could come to God and be like, hey, your guy's here. I got some stuff going on. King of Israel wanting to talk. But what does he do instead? He comes to God and he is asking him, begging him, please, God, hear my prayer. Give ears to my pleas for mercy. David doesn't come 
to God on his own merits. He goes to God in this time of trouble that we're going to see, and he comes to him on God's merit alone. He knows that their only remedy and help would be to go to the Father. And so, you know, I think that, that with that kind of that handicap of being able to see the entirety of David's life and the great just colossal ways that he sinned, um, that it can maybe like it, it kind of messes with our view as David being the man after God's own heart and being this great figure. Um, but what I see in David when I read especially his Psalms where he is bearing his soul is that David seems to have this this kind of intimate relationship with God where he has more of an understanding of God's character than maybe what you see at other times in Scripture. That David seems to have, that. like, David is not coming here and saying, hey God, based on my righteousness, will you help me? No, he's coming, the king of Israel, as a beggar to God saying, look, I can't stand before you in judgment would you please help me? It is your righteousness, your faithfulness that I'm coming to appeal to you on. And so um, as Christians, we can relate to that because we have an understanding that our sin is so great that ultimately it is not our righteousness that brings us, that makes us right with God or keeps us right with God, but that it is the righteousness that is imputed to us through Christ. And so we see this in Hebrews chapter 4. I'll awkwardly turn there real quick. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, in talking about Jesus, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So what is special about David is he has this understanding of God and his character that kind of reflects forward, you know, and points forward to Jesus coming. And we see the fullness of this in Christ that we come to God in our times of trouble, not so that he would help us because there's something that is special about us, but because he brings the faithfulness, he brings the righteousness. He's the only one that we can go to. And so we can confidently draw near to the Father. I don't struggle with this necessarily in, in, in all aspects of life. Um, on like an earthly sense, I'm 37 years old. I'll tell you, if something breaks in my house, do you know who I'm calling? My dad. Now, that's not everybody's situation. I get that. But for me, man, if something breaks on the car, calling my dad. <laughs> something breaks in the house, calling my dad. And I have no problem going to him in times of trouble and for, for help. Why? Because he has, uh, he has the ability to act on that or the knowledge to help me. He has what I need in that situation and what I lack. And if we can get that seemingly elementary thing into our heads that we don't have to and cannot do things on our own, then in our times of trouble, we would come to him and we say, God, would you hear our pleas? Would you hear our cries? And that we would, not based on anything that we are, but because of Jesus. 
that that is our starting point, that is our foundation. So we start there. We can't deviate from that. It's not like, okay, we did that, and now, God, we don't need you anymore. We got this. But grasping onto that and moving forward, when trouble comes, and this will make more sense in a minute, but when trouble comes, we bring our troubles to him. Maybe the best, better way to say this is we bring our troubles with us. How often, how often, and maybe, praise God, maybe often for you, do we come to God honestly? And I don't mean just honestly like that we're an open book, but that we bring things specifically, um, our, our struggles, what we're going through in God. I am not just going to say, oh Lord, will you help me with these things that are stressing me out? But God, here are the specific things that are that are wounding my soul that I know that you can help with. I know that you can help in me to deal with. And we bring these things to him. Verses 3 and 4 says, For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My soul thirsts for you. Oh, wait, no. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. So the occasion that David is bringing to God is not something that is light. David is saying that his enemy is pursuing him. I mean, this is really strong language that's given here. He's pursuing my soul, crushed my life to the ground. I'm sitting in darkness like I'm dead. I'm stretch- I, therefore, my spirit faints within me and my heart is appalled. Now, for context, there's a good chance that in David and what he is, what he is seeing here is not just uh, what he is viewing himself as a spiritual warfare, but a literal warfare. There could be enemies that are encamped around him wanting to kill him. That probably isn't our story, I would hope. But we have a, a clearer view ultimately of the enemies that actually do pursue our soul. And we'll look at that here in just a second. While we may not be able to relate to the physical danger of enemies to destroy us, I think that we can relate to these feelings of what he is feeling with life, that he feels crushed and lost and dead and dark and hopeless. And so David is in this situation where he, his spirit faints within, he's at the end of his rope, and his heart is appalled at what life is throwing at him right now. I can relate to that. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to that. I can relate to that. Um, and so David is most likely looking at the physical and wanting there to be a, a physical salvation to this. But we know as Christians that in Ephesians 6 that... There is a spiritual element to the enemies that are before us. And we see in Ephesians 6, verses 10, it says, Finally, this is you know, Paul writing here, and he is exhorting us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, so we're not necessarily encamped around by physical enemies to destroy us, but there is a spiritual nature of life that we oftentimes ignore that is more detrimental to our situation than a physical threat. That someone can kill us physically, but what, we're, but what we should actually really be seeking is, is seeking is help for the enemies that can destroy us spiritually. And so what do we know that David, that David didn't? That the enemy is actually so much more dangerous than anything that he could have imagined. But that in the gospel, that enemy is already more defeated than David could ever defeat his enemies. And that we have victory in Christ. And so I think that one of the difficulties, at least for me, is that um, in this coming to God and recognizing that he's the only one who can help and being expectant to see him um, move in my life is that I sometimes think I, that I know more about the situation than God does. And that what we need to understand is that God actually knows your situation better than you. He knows what you need more than you do. So we come to him and we are honest about, God, I am struggling with this. This sin is wrecking me. My marriage is, makes me feel like this these days. And we are clear and we open these things up and we lay them out before God. And God knows better than we do, knows our hearts better than we do. And we'll start to work on us, as we'll see here in a minute, we'll start to work on us in those specific areas. But be honest with God. There's nothing, <laughs> um, there's nothing to be lost in bringing to Him and saying, God, these are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the things that are hard. Um, these are the things, God, that honestly I, that I feel the way things should be. God is able and big enough to correct us in those areas and to, and to change our hearts. So we come to him expectantly. We then share honestly. We, we bring our troubles to him. And the third thing that I want us to see is that when trouble comes, we remember who God is. We remember who he is. Verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you and my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Um, <laughs> so, if I, I think that a lot of these things are tied up in, our, uh, in kind of our spiritual condition of living on a fallen world, not being able to see things completely open up. There's still clouds in the sky. We can't see everything clearly at this point, or as Paul says, like looking through a dim mirror, um, that we're not able to see everything perfect at this point. But kind of wrapped up in the fact that we oftentimes don't go to God in our troubles is we have, I think, an innate issue where we are chronically terrible rememberers. That... And we see this at all in Scripture. Like, this is not something that's new to us, but we are terrible rememberers. God can do something amazing in our life, and like 30 minutes later, <laughs> we are acting like it didn't happen. Um, and so I, I have a, you know, when you go through and you look at the Old Testament, 
God is very gracious to try to give his people as many times as possible to remember things. So you go through and there's like a feast for everything. There, uh, it's like, hey, I want you to build this, uh, you know, build this altar here. We're going to do this. There's feasts, there's altars, there's monuments, there's Ebenezer's, whatever they are. There's like, we get into the New Testament. What does Jesus have? He, he has us take the Lord's Supper. What are we doing it for? In remembrance of him to remember the fact like if you struggle with the idea like you know try on the i don't know if i'm tracking with you that we're good rememberers the god of the universe has to remind us that the god of the universe came down to save us that's how like how easily we are distracted from the story that all time is about that we had to be like oh yeah remember he did that that was pretty cool um, I, I've been so guilty of this. Like you go through, it's so evident whenever you're reading in the Old Testament and you're reading through like the wandering Israelite, like wandering in the wilderness. Man, we are so hard on the Israelites. So hard on them because it's like you were just like, there was just 10 plagues. You were just brought out of slavery. You walked through a river. There's like the fire and glory of God in front of you. Bread is raining from the sky. And you're like, yeah, but what has God done for me lately? Is he even there? Are you even listening? But guys, do you realize that if we were able to have a conversation with our Israelite brothers, that they would be like, you have Jesus. You literally have Jesus. You literally have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh gosh, I guess I should probably think about Jesus today. No, it's like we... The, and I say this, we're silly people. And praise God that he saves and uses silly people. That we're terrible, terrible rememberers. And so while it's like, yeah, of course, we should remember the things that God has done. That's, I'll tell you what, this is the assignment. This is the tough one. Because one, we have to remember to turn to him. We have to remember that God loves us unconditionally that we turn these things to him and then we can remember. But this is also, while it's the hardest assignment, it is also the fuel for the fire is to remember what God has done for you. And so David says, he says, I remember the days of old. And so I'm sure that he's thinking about, you know, the, the Torah. He's thinking about the stories of the, of, of, Israel's captivity and all, or Israel or Israel's slavery and them coming out of bondage and all of these things. And I can remember the days of old. But he's also thinking about God slay, using him to slay Goliath and God bringing him out of destruction time and time again. God raising him up and anointing him as king. He's thinking, he's remembering these things. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. That we sit here, we sit here 2,000 years into this grand story of redemption in Christ that of course stretches back before that, but we're talking about like the, that the seed of the church has grown 2,000 years, we're on the other side of the globe in a completely different context and Jesus is still transforming and calling people to himself. We're terrible rememberers. 
But the good news in that is that God loves to remind us. And he will be doing it for all eternity in reminding us of his kindness through us in Jesus Christ. So maybe, just maybe, God knows we struggle with this. And maybe, just maybe, there is grace abounding for us. So what do we do? We need to be people who preach the gospel to ourselves. We've got to, I, 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 I share this all the time, and I'm terrible at it. This is one of those things where it's like, I, I have to share it so that I can remember how bad I am at it, so I can continue to be bad at it. But I remember someone saying it to me years ago that you should preach the gospel to yourself before you get out of the bed in the morning and don't get out until you believe it. And there's days I'd be in bed all day, you know. Um, but that we have to be people who preach the gospel to ourselves, that we remind um, ourselves. And we also need to be people who remind each other of what God has done in your life. Because if we're terrible rememberers, maybe somebody else can point us in that direction. Maybe you can be like, hey, do you remember that, that time that God brought you out of this? Do you remember that time that God healed you from that? Do you remember the time that God provided for you to that? That, that just helps us to kind of wipe the fog away and be like, oh yeah, that's right. He says that I ponder the works of your hands. That creation itself is, is a, this, this excellent reminder to us of who God is. I want to share a, um, a story about one of my children and embarrasser. Um, it's actually a, 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 a one of the most amazing things that I had ever, in this, in this like kind of category of thinking about God and pondering um, how amazing he is. Um, so I'm sure that you guys have probably seen our lovely avian friends that join us every year, grackles. Um, I hate grackles. Uh, <laughs> now, that's also a confession of sin. I shouldn't hate grackles, but man, I don't like grackles. I know we had this tree in our front yard that like, it seemed that like, like all the grackles that lived in like Kroger parking lot would come live in that tree. And, um, and just decorate our vehicles and all the sorts of things and be loud and, and terrible. And, um, and so I, I have not had um, a great feeling towards grackles. Um, but my oldest daughter, Eleanor, whenever she was, I think, four-ish, um, my wife um, had kind of hurt, like hurt her. She just wanted to pray one day. Just decided she just felt like praying. And so she just started kind of like extemporaneously praying about everything. And so as every good mom would do, my wife hit record um, to like get the, get the audio of it. And in the middle of just this beautiful heartfelt prayer, my Eleanor says, and God, thank you for the hidden beauty that's in the grackles. Y'all. That's like the Holy Spirit spoke to my daughter about the hidden beauty of the grackles. And I got convicted about that. But you know what? Since then, I can't like go to like curse a grackle without thinking, and your hidden beauty. <laughs> you know? And like of thinking about that, that it actually is something that helps me to remember the fact that God is good to us, that he's even taking care of this horrible rat bird of the sky. <laughs> It, grace abounds, even for grackles. And that 
we see these things, we remember what God has done, we remember what God is doing, we remember what the things that we can't even see in our midst with the creation, all of these things point us to him so that what? When we see in verse 8, he says, I stretch out my hands to you. So when David thinks about what all God has done, his response is to like hold out his hands like a child wanting to be picked up. I stretch out my hands to you and my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. When we remember what God has done for us, it wells up in us the need for more. The need for, and the beauty of it is that it's an unquenchable grace. There isn't going to be a time where God's like, and that's enough for you. No, when we come to Him with our need, He is there. So, we will be people who remember when trouble comes, we remember who He is. When trouble comes, we trust God to move. Verse 7 and 8, answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like one of those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Now, in this progression here, David coming to this, there is such a desperation. So he is coming to God, recognizing the direness of his situation, like amping himself up with remembering who God is and how God has moved in the past. And that causes this desperation and this need for God to move. And this need for him to move causes there to be a faith and a trust because he remembers that God's done it before. And he knows God's character and he knows who he is and he knows what he's done. He knows what he's promised. And so there is an expectation that God is going to move in his situation. David doesn't know how. It doesn't know how. He says, answer me quickly. My spirit fails. Don't hide your face from me. I feel like I'm I'm down in the pit. And then in verse 8, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love for you, you I trust. I see this passage sometimes used as as like kind of out of context where it's like, and you should do your morning quiet time. Of course, we should should definitely fill fill ourselves with God's word in the morning. But what this is, what David is trying to convey here is that it is a desperation to see the dawn come. That in this darkness, in this pit that I'm in, please God, let me see in the morning and be able to speak of your steadfast love. And it may not be the next morning. It may not be any morning that David is here on earth, but he is expectant that one day the dawn will break. When he says, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. That phrase, I lift up my soul, is used elsewhere in the same same, um, conjugation there to refer to, I am counting on you. It's like, God... I want to see the dawning of the day. I want to see your steadfast love. Help me know the way I should go because, God, I am counting on you. Makes me think in John chapter 6 of how when Jesus was giving the, the, the tough teaching of being the bread of life and he had followers who were leaving him and he turns to was it Peter and John and he's like, what about y'all? Y'all leaving too? And they said to him, they said, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Where else could we go? And so David is doubling down with us and saying, God, I'm counting on you. I'm trusting that you are going to move. Now, does that mean that now that this is like this prayer was like juju magic and boom, God is, this has unlocked the keys to God answering David's prayer exactly the way that David wanted? Absolutely not. But it sets David up for where he goes in the final part of this passage. And it sets him up for coming and understanding that God himself is the gift. God himself is the rescue. And so we see this, that, in, that when trouble comes, we lean into God. We lean into him while we wait. And waiting is hard. That could be a whole other sermon. <laughs> That's a whole other lifetime. But we lean into him while we wait. Listen to how he, how he comes back and, and wraps this up in his discussion with God. He says in verse 8, Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all of the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. So what do we see in this is at the, the end of it all, what does David really need? Of course, he's, he's looking at a situation, he's like, I need somebody to get me out of this. I need somebody to save me from where I'm at. But the lead is kind of buried here. What does David actually need? He needs to take refuge in God. He needs to let the Spirit lead him. He needs to look at the, the, the steadfast love of the Lord. It's like, teach me, God. Lead me, God. Preserve me, God. I am your servant. And so David, there's an aspect of this where he is seeing that the situation itself is almost secondary to what God wants to do in his heart. Yeah, he still wants his enemies to be cut off. He still wants the adversaries of his soul to be destroyed. But what he ultimately wants is, God, teach me to do your will. Be my refuge. I have fled to you. And so the troubles become secondary to the gift of being more like God and having more of him in his situation. God, be with me through this. Make me more like you. Lead me Teach me, be my refuge, I am your servant. And these things obviously come full circle. And so David is looking at all of this. I think that all of this we can look and we can see the fullness of it in the gospel. That, we, that none of these things, it's really is like, do we, does the gospel not amplify? We come to God expectantly. There's going to be trials. There's going to be troubles. We're promised it. We're even kind of we're blessed by it. And there's going to be these things. We come to God openly and honestly and intimately with Him. We trust. We remember who He is, what He's done, what He's doing, what He's doing throughout all of time. And we can put our hope and our trust in that. And we're not mustering up a faith to try to like muster it up ourselves. But we recognize that it itself is a gift from God. 
to trust and have faith in him and to be made more and more and more into the image of Jesus. I'll read real quick from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and how this is, we see this being lived out by Paul who had such a tough existence. Uh, we can't even, I'm not even going to go through all of it. Just trust me. He had it rougher probably than you. But what does he have to say about this in 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 7? He's talking about having the light of Jesus, the message of the gospel. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. So to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And so down in verse 16, he says, So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, and if you know Paul's story, that is like a tremendous understatement. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We don't lose heart because God is with us throughout all of us. There is nothing that is going to come to us in the troubles of this world that could take us away from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. And there's one other aspect that David was missing from not being in part of the new covenant is this aspect of the troubles that we go through. We have the beauty of the church, the body of Christ to walk with us. So my charge to you today of our response to this is to start elementally with it of, of thinking about God, what are the troubles in my life? Am I giving them to you? And first, taking them to the Father. Expectant that He will move. Does that mean He will remove that obstacle? No. No. But trusting that God at the end of it all will give us something that He may. But I promise you, whatever He gives you is going to be better for you and your soul than what you could have imagined him just removing a pain. And so that's my, my charge to you is that we would be honest with God, but also as we are in the new covenant of Christ, that we are, are um, reconciled to one another, that we would be bearing each other's burdens and that we would share these burdens with each other. Now, with all of that said, that fullness that comes with walking in Jesus and walking in the church only comes if we are made new in Him. And so the first question that we always have to ask is, do, are we made new in Christ? Do we know 
that God has loved us so much that in our sinful condition that even David says, God, I cannot even stand in judgment. Who could stand in judgment before you that none of us could apart from Christ? That our sin was leading us to eternal death, but God, who is rich and kind and merciful, sent his son to die for us so that if we put our faith and our trust in him, that we would not perish, but we would have eternal life with him. And that our sin would be forgiven so that we can walk in the light that we can be honest about where we are. That we can have a story where we can remember what God has done for us so that we can be made more and more like Jesus. And so my prayer for you is if that's not you, that today that you would be the day that you would make that step, that you would turn to God and you would come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are in the church, that today would be a day that we would remember, remember what God has done for us and think ahead that just maybe if he's done all of these things throughout time and just maybe if he's doing all of these things in our life and currently that just maybe he's got tomorrow okay too. Maybe he's got tomorrow in his hand and that we can trust him and we can follow him. So we're going to go into a time of just worship and response. And uh, Pastor Brandon's going to be in the back, and I'll be in the back as well if you want to talk or pray. Um, But my prayer is that just during this time, we would just continue from where we started. Not in like, all right, so now we can kind of move on with things, but that we would let God's Word sit on our hearts and do what ultimately we got to at the end of the passage, that we would let it lead us to repentance, joyful repentance. If you're letting the stressors of life just wreck you, and I am in that boat, that we would joyfully repent because there is more abundant grace for us in that. If there is a sin that we're clinging tight to, that today can be the day that we just let that go, let that out into the light that we can walk in the light. Let's pray together. Oh, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the much-needed reminders in my life, God, of that you care for us. That while David has to plead, um, thinking he has to plead for you to hear, that we instead can come boldly and confidently to you. Um, God, I thank you for the fact that you have worked throughout time in this great and cosmic way, but you have also called us individually out of the depths of our sin and made us new uh, in Jesus Christ. God, would you help us to walk in that truth? Would you help us to be led by your Spirit to grow closer to you? Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you, God, would today be the day that they put their faith, their faith and trust in you. And God, would you just move us to an action in our hearts, be it repentance to you, repentance to others, um, or just being an open and honest so that we can bear one another's burdens. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.